Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church. We will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the E6 Podcast. We're back again, episode six. What's up? Yeah. My name is Brooke. Glad that you're here. Who else is with me today? Uh, I am Tanner. Hey, Tanner. And I'm glad to be here again. Thanks, guys. (laughs) We're glad you're here, dude. I'm really glad to be here as well. My name's Lauren. I'm the guy with the girl's name here on staff at Colonial. You know what? (laughs) I'm one of several guys here (laughs) with girls' names, Brooke. That's right. Lauren. I got accepted to college. Tanner, Tanner I got accepted to college at Baylor University as a female. <laughs> top that. I can't. Top I got that. a congratulations, Miss Jones that. letter. I have that three awesome. first names, so I just get called all kinds of things. So Tanner great. could be a girl, actually. Isn't there some really? some girl in a movie called Tanner? Am I just is it wishful thinking on my part? I had, I had a dog named Tanner. Was it female? I told you that. That's very flattering. I did. Thank yeah. you. I had a nice uh, golden retriever named. Uh, Named Tanner. Named Tanner. Golden Retriever? No, he's a lab. I had a crush yeah, on a girl named Brooke in nice. middle school. Is that, is Boy, that this count? is quality conversation. We have just started so off the here. rails. So the E6 podcast, <laughs> uh, we're from Colonial Church. Maybe I shouldn't say that now. Um, uh, but we are, uh, we're here. And um, Tanner, why are we here? What are we doing? Um, we are, I'm just talking. Just talking. You know? We're just, we're just chit-chatting just about, chit-chatting. about this. Um E6 is really a platform for us to uh, have conversation, to um, have a have an opportunity to talk out maybe things that God's kind of putting in our community. Yep. Um, we don't get this opportunity from a stage per se. Um, right. I feel like I feel like from a stage or from from uh, an event that we host, uh, it's much more of a definitive one sided conversation. We're professing some things to people, um, whereas in this platform, it's much more two-sided and conversational, and that you can kind of get a peek behind the curtain uh, as to um, what things have informed thought um, and conversation within our community. So um, it's just another way for us to model for our people conversation, maybe even some disagreements um, uh, as, as kind of they come up. And to tackle some conversations that, frankly, you know, you can't really have from a sermon standpoint. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're here. Yeah, it's good. Well, we we do have a heavy topic to talk about. Um, hopefully, you, uh, as a listener, got to see the message um, yesterday. If you didn't, you should pause this. You should go watch the the service from yesterday, which is Sunday. Um, you should go watch that first, and then come back and and pick this up because that's what we're talking about. I would agree, and I, I think in some ways that's a standing uh, yes. reminder. But I think specifically because uh, yesterday was driven by a movie mm-hmm. and attached to that storyline, uh, I think you'd be w- well served if you pause this and right. see that it's going to be right now. We're recording this on a Monday morning, the eighth of February. Uh, it's going to be posted later today. Yep. Um, this podcast will be posted later today, but also the video of our service on the 7th is available every two hours yep. as of sometime this evening. Yeah, it'll start this evening. Uh, all week, all week long. So right. take advantage of that. And again, if you didn't hear this the first time, actually, don't watch it with your little ones. <laughs> uh, not because, I thought you said it well in the service yesterday, Tanner, not because it's going to scar them or it's 
uh, some adult level things you don't want them to hear or see. But in part, they're either going to be bored because it's a very slow developing storyline, or they're just not going to totally understand because we're dealing with grief, we're dealing with pain, we're dealing with sadness. Uh, and so I, I, I was pleased with what we, the work we put into it. And a lot of people don't, don't know this. We didn't make a big deal yesterday, but Tanner, you have spearheaded a lot of the, uh, the storyboarding and video editing and crafting all that. People don't know all that goes into that. Great job, buddy. Thanks man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, uh, this one in particular was really, really difficult. Um, again, talking about grief and loss, you kind of have to just immerse yourself in the in the emotion of it, the the feeling of it, the story of it, um, to make it come through. And so, uh, <laughs> lots of uh, lots of crying yeah. and eating my feelings as I'm editing <laughs> editing eating your late feelings. night ice cream. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. so we also have an interview coming up later. So we won't be as long because we have a really awesome interview with a couple of people that uh, we will dive into. But before we get to all of that, um, let's start a little bit lighter. Let's not dive into our feelings all in the moment. Um, it is Monday the 8th, so we did just have the Super Bowl. That was yesterday. For all of you sports listeners out there, we're going to dissect the game. I'm just kidding. I'm curious. Uh, th- really, there's there's like three things about the Super Bowl that are, are a big deal, right? So you have the football game for the people that care, and then you have the commercials for most of the rest of us, and then you have the music as well yeah. for pretty much everyone. So those are like, if you, if you had to say, this is what the Super Bowl is about, that's pretty much where it goes. So I'm curious, how did you guys feel? Uh, did you watch the game? Yeah. Or did you just watch the commercials? I oh, watched I- I watched all of the whole it, yeah. thing. I, I can't yep. fast Start forward. Finish, I can't yeah. turn away. I want to see the commercials. I want to see the halftime show. <laughs> yep. And I want to see the game. So, so yep. when do you go to the bathroom? That's the great question. I there's don't. A, there, there's a moment. Well, actually, actually, there is a moment. You got to hold, hold it. There's a, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a moment when it kicks to local, local. Yes, exactly. commercials. But that's late in the game. <laughs> but that's when I you go. You have to wait too you long. Hold it. That's when I go, wow. man. That's when I go. <laughs> okay, so here's what I did. This is silly. I don't know how many other people did it, but it's almost the end of the quarter. I think it was the end of the first quarter, and I see that there's like 20-something seconds left, and the guy gets tackled inbounds, so I know the clock's running, and I run to the bathroom in time to, to take care of business and right. come back just as they're going to commercial. Because I didn't uh, want to miss a commercial. Right, of course, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm almost well, embarrassed that I'm putting whatever, that much yeah. thought into it. And of course, then the next like three commercials are super lame, and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. All right, I'm just glad that I'm not the only person that has actually like put thought into, when do I go to the bathroom during yeah. something that I want to watch That's the commercials? Because really normally it's like, oh, my gosh, more commercials. Like It's a football game. Like There are tons of commercials in this yeah. game. And but that that's great. I love that. Um, okay, so uh, do we feel vindicated with our choices? You guys both picked the. I almost said the Patriots again. Um, basically, <laughs> right. the Patriots minus Bill Belichick. The redressed Patriots. Uh, that's right. Do you guys feel great that you picked the Buccaneers? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I feel hundred percent. I didn't like that. You know, the Chiefs didn't get a touchdown. That, well, that was kind of weird. I mean, that as was great really as their offense is. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought. For one, I thought Tony Romo was phenomenal. He was best uh, Super Bowl he's ever been in. I thought it was for it's all true. for all the it's Cowboy true. fans, like just what a big what a, so, what, what a big big day. As for, the only Cowboy fan amongst the three of us, you guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Romo, Tony Romo. But on a serious note, on a serious note, like oh, yeah, uh, I thought the Chiefs, dude. Uh, 
I'm not like – I watch two football games a year. I watch Texas OU game, uh, and then I watch OU, the Texas. Super Bowl. Okay. You're from Oklahoma. You I am from Oklahoma. This. It's, it's an OU, like, Texas, oh OU Texas game. Those Continue. are the, those are the two football on. games I watch. So take it as a grain of salt. Uh-huh. But I thought the Chiefs, dude, the Chiefs are going to go back, man. They're, they're, what a, they are a great, great team. They have uh, a lot of they had a lot of things. I think the uh, the to me it spoke to how good the defensive line for the Bucks was that Patrick Mahomes was running for his life oh, without bro. without blitzing. I think he yeah. ran. I think he ran twelve miles that game, like for real, <laughs> seriously, dude. Like, <laughs> so there was a couple of memes, and I know this will be really difficult because it's a podcast, and I can't just show them to you. But there were a couple of memes that I saw afterwards that were just like perfect. And one is if you watch the halftime show of the weekend, he went inside and he was singing one of his songs, and he was he basically had like a selfie stick for the camera, oh, and yeah, he yeah, was yeah. spinning in a circle. Yeah. So one of them was like they they just posted that picture, and it was Patrick Mahomes in the backfield all game. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. That actually is it was really so good. Funny. It was, and it was like, absolutely. absolutely. That's totally what it, That's what it felt like. What it felt like. The other yeah. one that was really good is if you've ever seen Dodgeball, the movie. Um, ben Stiller's character in one of the in one of the games, he's like diving and he's oh, throwing yeah. a dodgeball, and they they That's layered exactly it. What Mahomes it was, did, it was, yeah. It was, throw, it was Patrick That's Mahomes diving, like falling over, throwing diving the ball, sidearm, totally the ball. Le- like parallel to the ground, oh, and genius. it had both of them next to it. It was just really fun. Genius. It was awesome. All right, so that's good. That's enough football analysis. We could talk about the only thing I will add is, is, and I think this is a lot of people are are saying the same thing. I love how Romo likened it to is if Michael Jordan was playing LeBron James, okay, as far as the old greatest of all time Uh in Brady versus the current, arguably greatest quarterback in Mahomes, and I'm just, I just love that real life played itself out that Jordan just owned LeBron. (laughs) And that's all I'm saying. And you that's feel like that saying. would happen? I feel like if, exa- if, if no, Jordan no, played no, LeBron. No, neither one of them would own the other. But Jordan, I'm really? Jordan all day long. <laughs> all day long. All day. <laughs> all right, so that, that uh, believe it or not, that actually brings me to my next question. I, um, I'm, I'm curious, like, if you watch for the commercials, how did you feel about the commercials? There's a, there's a Jordan commercial in my head. I started thinking about old Super Bowl commercials. Oh yeah, yeah. And and one that really stuck out to me was Jordan versus Bird, mm. the McDonald's commercial. Oh, that's a the, yeah, right. The uh, the nothing but net. So oh, off yeah. the wall, through the that's through right, the hallway, yeah. off the bleachers, nothing uh-huh. but net. Right. So that's sorry, that was my segue to it. But uh, <laughs> what what do, you, what do we think about the commercials? I like the commercials. Okay. I, well, there there's some of them. I was like, what did some stand out? Give me a couple that stood out to you. Uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that was hilarious. Are you kidding me? Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> I was, I, it was so good. I was dying laughing. We're coming for you, Norway. That's right. <laughs> that was, You're in Sweden. <laughs> me. That was, that was, I forgot that This place that is that was adorable. <laughs> I thought it was, was awesome. Good. Dude, yeah, it was so good. That was good. funny. Yeah. yeah. Meet me there. That. Really? Really? We can't carpool? <laughs> I think one of my favorite commercials, which was, I think it was later in the game, but was the uh, Bruce Springsteen Jeep commercial. I missed that. I really I saw, liked that I saw, a, oh, I saw yeah, that yeah, on yeah. something, okay, that's but I, right. I missed yeah. it. I didn't see it. It was a little more on the thoughtful, reflective side. And I mean, of course, it's it's always a reach at the end. You're like, oh, it's for a car. you know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I still really liked it. it I think was I was getting commercial. more queso at that point. Probably at that <laughs> point, Probably yeah. when I went to the kitchen to get more queso. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I thought the uh, the Michael B. Jordan Alexa commercial was yeah. oh, hysterical. Gosh, that was great. So funny. That was I was great. like, 
tears. He's like, no, Alexa, don't do that. <laughs> the, guy, the, the husband or boyfriend or whatever was just so funny. Oh, gosh. Yes, I, I love that. I thought if you saw the uh, the Marshawn Lynch with the football legends at the oh, beginning, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that one was pretty funny. That, that was, was good. Cool. Um, I, liked the, I liked the Tracy Morgan uh, pretty sure. Commercials. Yeah. Those oh were, yeah, those yeah. were just. We what's, the di- what's the difference? Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> and they had two, at least two different. Ones. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple two different ones. Yeah, yeah, like yeah that was good. I, I enjoyed the uh, just just from the perspective of we all lived through 2020. I thought the Bud Light Seltzer commercial with the lemonade. Oh yeah, of the when life all gives you lemons. No, we've heard that. No, we don't we need know to the say saying. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah, but I I agree. I think uh, to me, Will Ferrell took the cake. Oh yeah, uh, dude. that one that one or Michael B. Jordan. I thought those were my those are my favorite. But yeah, so it made me start thinking about the uh, the old school, like some of the old great ones. You know, right. like the. Um, uh, the, the the Betty White. Do you remember the Betty White Snickers commercials? Yes. Oh yes, you're yes, not yes. you're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. Her, you know Betty White playing football and just getting hammered. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh huh. The I thought about the kid the kid that was dressed up like Vader trying to use the Force. Classic. The, oh, yeah, the Volkswagen yeah. commercial and then Dad's in the in the kitchen like That's pushing right. the button and I, the kid's like, <gasps> yeah. Oh I strangely get teared up in that commercial. <laughs> and it's like it's a dad. It's a dad. Yeah. And then and then the other one that that I remind uh, I thought about was the. Uh, Bud Light Frogs. Oh, yeah. The Budweiser Frogs. Budweiser. Bud. Budweiser. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid, what but it's in the so world? brilliant. Like, man, that was just, it was funny. Uh, so, all right, all right. So, um, what, the other the other thing, so we've talked about, we've talked about football, we've talked about commercials. What about the music? There was a lot of music leading up to, there was stuff leading up to it, there was stuff during the halftime performance. Let like, me dive in, because I think you guys are going to take it more in a positive way. <laughs> and this may be generational, but like, I thought the weekend finished strong. Uh, and I loved the 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 dancers all over the field uh-huh. and the simplicity of it, given all the other crazy things that we expect in right. a big sh- production. You that know? we've seen in past years. Yes. Uh, but I'm like halfway through it going, I guess I don't know enough of this guy's music because I am <laughs> bored out of my mind. And he's a little off. And and I'm thinking, I think everybody who's younger is probably loving this. And then I get on Facebook late last night and there's a bunch of people older than me going, that was the lamest halftime show ever. <laughs> and a bunch of people younger than me going, that's really cool. So I don't know if it's that uh-huh. simple uh-huh. and what you guys think. I just thought it was eh. like it was no it was far from, you know, and I'm going to name old artists, you know, YouTube. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Purple Rain. Uh, Prince. 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 You know, arguably the greatest uh-huh. halftime show of all time. Uh, or even like more recently, Bruno Mars was just incredible, right. you know. I just, I just thought. Eh. Do you think it? Do you think it's more like you just don't know his music? Maybe, or is that just not your style of of music? So it already. It was a lot of close up of him standing there singing. Yeah, and you think twenty twenty or or COVID plays into that? It has to because I think I, I, I think his performance him... is probably different considering. Yeah. they don't have fans all over the field. That, yeah, that are, that's you know, a good point. Everything. That's a good point. I mean, I'm I'm not like judging or saying he's awful. I just I just. As someone who doesn't listen to the weekend, and right. I've like probably most people, I've heard two or three songs. Sure, you know, um, it was like, okay, eh. okay. I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the weekend. Um, I, I, I was noticing the difference in 
the 2020 or the the COVID version. I keep saying 2020, but the the COVID version of a Super Bowl performance and the and the the other the other side of it. But I did the same thing. I got on Facebook because I was like, I'm just curious what other people are thinking. Right. I know what I think, and so that, it wasn't that I was trying to be like figure it out in my head. Like I'm not processing it with Facebook, but it was interesting because it was uh, a lot of what you said. Like a lot of the older generation kept saying, Ah, oh, man, it's just like he's not very good, or I don't know these songs, or what's going on, you know. And and I was even laughing at the you know when you have the controversial side of some of the Super Bowl performances in the past, right? And then you have this one, which was like okay, maybe there's maybe no, some of the songs he has like they have explicit lyrics and things like that, but but there wasn't anything like over the top sexual or anything about it, and it was still like, well, can we not be happy even though we don't like it? Maybe like everybody's expectations or even not not expectations but demands yeah. are so high, yeah, because you just you just this is like. Like every musical artist, this is like their dream sure. to be asked to be on not national television, international, global television. I was reading Tanner's diary, and that's actually like he was leading up to it's it. He there. was writing about, oh my gosh, I just wish, I just want. someday. <laughs> I just so I thought want. I was I was wondering in my head. I thought, would we be happy if like Chris Tomlin did the oh did the no the, no the no, show? no absolutely? I'm just not. saying like that's what it felt like. Is like we can't be we can't be right. happy about this because it's too controversial. We can't be happy about this because it's like meh. I agree. But I thought he did a great job, and it was funny looking through Facebook. It was like people were like, oh, this is. Too Terrible. He's singing would, horrible, and then other people were like, "He sings phenomenal. Like this is crazy." So, you know, so like, what you're saying is, it's one more example of what we see on social media. Is some people thought it was the greatest thing yep. ever, and some people think it was the worst thing ever. Yes, and they're all in my friends, my friends, and group. they're all apparently <laughs> friends with me. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that leaves me, but I thought he was really good. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, uh, I'll admit, like the first song, I was like. I don't know where we're going with this. And then over through the course of it, I was like, okay, I dig this. Like, it was a good performance. And it, it, was, it was a good performance. And um, and I, I thought the guys with the diapers, they did. They were the really brave. The diapers, <laughs> the on, the diapers their heads. on their heads. Just really, really brave wearing those diapers <laughs> on international global TV. Hey, right. did, did you did. see the picture? Because uh, I even thought this during the episode, during the episode, during the halftime show, there's a Simpsons episode. <laughs> with the choir up on with the lights and the, all that stuff that that stationary wall mm -hmm. of choir it's right out of the Simpsons. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Absolutely. Uh, like I, didn't I, I don't even know if somebody, some artist, saw that and said, mm -hmm. "Let's do that." I don't know. I, I why not? Why I like his thirty-seven million dollars is what it took to make that halftime show happen. That's crazy. Oh, they they goodness. gave him they gave him thirty million, and there's one thing they didn't want to pay for. It was like seven million dollars, and he goes, "I'll pay for it." Wow, out of his own money. And I don't understand. That that. Yeah, that, that's that's like it's that, that's not I'm even like, like understandable. You just blew my mind. I can't even like grasp that in yeah. my head. Well, okay, with knowing the price that. tag, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that was lame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but look at the commercials. You know, you get it's. Well, I, I think I some somebody said it was five million dollars. Like it's gone down. Is it, it was five million dollars for a thirty second. I spot. did not know that. I was wondering that last night. And I don't know how many of those commercials. I was like, wow, that was not worth the money. Wow. Well, okay, so so the weekend I like him. I've I've enjoyed his like '80s mixed with R&B kind of like. Dude, I'm loving style. how those like, sounds are coming back. And, yeah, um, and I think you're right. It's it's just like it's like this throwback to some of the '80s um, modern stuff, mm -hmm. and then you've got this R&B infused lyric and rhythm with it. Like I really dig. Right. So 
I, I that's that's what I was thinking the whole time. As mm-hmm. I was like, I, I really, I was jamming. I like the sounds, right? I was jamming to it. Yeah, and you I know, can't I can't say that I, I frequently listen to the weekend. I've, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm similar to you, Lauren. I've I've heard a few of his songs, but, but I kind of you know, I, I like think them, I think I think it was more reminiscent of a concert. Yeah. Than than like a halftime show because it wasn't it wasn't like here's three artists that are now singing other people's songs and mixing yeah. them all together and so that yeah. was that was different. But okay, it. so uh, that's not the only thing that happened. So if you watched the whole time and you watched <clears throat> the beginning, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on um, Eric Church and uh, what's her name, uh, Jasmine Sullivan, that did the national anthem? Yeah. So um, uh, a, a buddy of mine mm-hmm. bet on the over and under. Uh, bet, a, which for those of you don't know, popular bet. How long is, is how the long anthem the national anthem is going to go? Okay. He won his money plus some because it was over two was minutes slow. long, and it was because was her name Jasmine? Jasmine Sullivan. She she did the embellishing at the end. At the end of it. It was like, <laughs> and the home, some embellishing, some embellishing of the some embellishing, some embellishing. Pause. Bread and it was like yes, like before we even got started, it was like yes. He's already made his money. So you know what? I I loved it for that That's for funny. that for that fact. Well, um, if you didn't see it, there was a guy named Warren Wawa Snipe, right? So okay. Warren Wawa, he was the uh, he was the sign language interpreter that was on. Oh, the I field. did see that. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, go back and watch that. But there's a video. Like go on YouTube and just search for like the national anthem 2021 right, right, right. or whatever. And watch it because the dude was he was, which is funny because I think that there have been sign language people all of 2020 that have stolen the show like in press oh, yeah. conferences Are and all kidding? this and yeah. he was just another version of that that was Love he it. was so good. I missed that I'll go back oh and gosh, check that he out was so good all right uh, her did you watch did you see America the Beautiful yeah fast forwarded yeah really fast forwarded you did oh. well here's the- I liked it I loved it I was like speaking of Prince like I was, I was like, like I was Prince into infused, it man like, see this I is where we've good. talked for weeks about disagreeing <laughs> and doing it well and I watched about 10 seconds of it and I'm like can you forward, mute him fast forward, fast can you forward. mute him mute in this? right now like, oh, come on <laughs> It's terrible. Gosh. She was so good. How can you say you were about all the things <laughs> in the Super Bowl and you fast forwarded that? I wasn't about all the things. You in said the Super that Bowl. earlier. You I said w- I have I w- to. I can't. I can't. Can't stop it. Can't pause it. Just can't. can't oh it. no! I want to get to. I want to get to the game, <laughs> and then watch the commercials, and then watch the halftime show. I don't. The pregame stuff. Like, come on. Whatever. Let's go. Let's go. Man. I listened to the. I listened to the national anthem because it was so different and unique, and I liked it. Uh, but that was after I fast forwarded through. See, I would argue. I'm like, that how the, many songs are we going to sing here? Let's go. I would argue that the national anthem was not different and unique. No, I don't that think it America, was. That America the Beautiful by her was, was awesome. different and unique. I really dug that. <laughs> at the risk too. of. National of, anthem, I was like, okay, fine. At the risk of alienating all seven of our <laughs> listeners, I didn't really care for it. Well, we'll give well. them. Uh, they now have They now have a choice. They can pick a side. Now, are they with Lauren <laughs> or are they with the other smart people in the room? Okay, um, enough about that. We do have a. A difficult topic that we need to talk about. So, uh, Lauren, as you so eloquently put it last week, we don't talk about that difficult topics that the church ignores. We started that this weekend. What is our goal here with this series before we jump into the movie? Well, the series in general is something that I hope we can come back to again and again over time, which is just trying to be deliberate and talking about some things that, for whatever reasons... Uh, we don't talk about often at church. Yeah. 
Uh, and there's different reasons we don't talk about things at church, whether it's it's remotely controversial or it's easily misunderstood or um, I, I think time and time again, it's it's helpful to raise our hand and say, hey, have we have we thought about this or what about the scripture when it when it says this hard teaching? How does that interact inter, interact? Uh, how does that intersect. Impa- intersect with our just the way we live our lives every yeah. day? And so I, we it's a little bit of a softball down the middle that we started with, right. only in the sense is there's nothing controversial about grief. Well, and it's almost it, it's almost inevitable that that after the eleven months of COVID and twenty twenty that we had, that we end up here, yes, with talking about death and loss and grief. And even even as you put yesterday in in your uh, your message to to those of us before the before the service about God's timing, yes, yeah. To that end, I mean, I'm thinking back to it was late fall 2019 when we were wrestling with what movies are we going to use for at the movies 2020, right? And and then we we came up with with Collateral Beauty as one of our movies and wanting to to tackle the tough topic of grief. And then it was. Before the pandemic really hit us last spring, we were already working on this filming. That's why I was a little thinner and clean shaven and all that <laughs> in, in the actual presentation yesterday. And then the pandemic comes, and we have to really regroup at the movies. and And we chose to hold off on this movie, Collateral Beauty, and the movie we're going to do in a couple of weeks, uh, in part because we thought, oh, these are really heavy, mm. and let's just let's hold off and have a, a, a larger audience for them later and really tackle this well. And now looking back to what you just said, God's timing in after a really hard 10, 11 months and some of us losing people we love, some of us losing people we love that has nothing to do with the virus, right. but we weren't able to have normal funerals, normal times together with family and friends. Uh, not able to grieve with people in the weeks and months that follow like we mm. otherwise normally would. Then you add that we just don't do this well at church. Mm. We like to celebrate at church. We like to uh, tackle some blatantly biblical foundational things, but but something very central to life, which is dealing with death and loss and and just grief in general. I just think we don't. My experience in the church growing up and the church I've been a part of as an adult, we don't do it well. Yeah. So, yes, God's timing. On top of all that, we lose two of our dear colonial people, uh, literally in the twenty-four hours before we mm-hmm. we tackled this together yesterday morning, yeah. and um, I, I I just think the Lord's saying, "Here you go. I plan this." I love that He is a much better planner than oh. we are. Thank God. Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and specifically, um, I don't know how many of you know Buddy Trump, uh, and we mentioned him purposely from up front yesterday, but Buddy has been a part of Colonial Church for at least 20-something years. Yeah. Our church is thirty, almost 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was one of the founding members. No, he wasn't. But so many people who have journeyed with Colonial over the years know and love Buddy Trump. And um, he has been one of our deacons, which is one of our our key serving roles here at our church. He is the guy who's out mowing the grass when nobody's watching. He's the guy who's making sure, hey, did you know so-and-so's in the hospital? And nobody else knew, but he's bringing it to our attention. He is the guy saying, hey, what else can I do to help? 
how can I bless? He's the guy with such a tender heart that I've experienced over the last couple years since I moved here that is weeping, talking about people he cares about and how their needs, their needs are not met or how they don't know Jesus as far mm-hmm. as he knows. Uh, he's been one of my favorite people since mm-hmm. I moved here two and a half years ago, and yeah. I've heard nothing but the same story from other people. Uh, I know you've known Buddy a long time, yeah. Tanner. Yeah. Yeah, Buddy was one of the first people that I actually met. Um, I actually knew Buddy prior to coming to Colonial. Uh, Buddy, like, golfed all the time. Most people don't, I mean, some people don't really know, like... He's a really good golfer. He was a phenomenal golfer, yeah. like, mm-hmm. really, really good. He tried to go pro or, or was semi-pro for yeah, a while. Yeah, semi-pro for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, he was just phenomenal. So I actually knew him because he golfed with my father-in-law um, and uh, a, few of the, a few of those people. And so... Um, but coming here to Colonial, just got to know Buddy even more, and just the way that he, you know, would tease me about being a music boy and uh, not knowing how to get my hands dirty, and <laughs> um, uh, just just watching him care for people, kind of just like what you said. Like, I mean, um, I think probably one of the most respectful people when it came to disagreements. Um, I watched him disagree really well that's well put i saw the same thing and it just uh i thought um his influence his influence is definitely going to be missed in our community uh oh you're, you're making me flash back to a lot of people haven't set foot in a, a deacon's meeting you know with 25 30 35 men and a lot of them that have been around a while and to have buddy oh, you just, what you just said to voice concern about something or disagreement but his tone of humility and just his heart for for the good of other people just to come through his deference to authority mm-hmm. uh before during and after a meeting like that before during and after you know an event uh just so much love and respect for buddy and yeah. and I would add we were talking about this a little bit off air before we started recording that's our heart's desire for our people is that we're a large enough church to get lost in. Unfortunately, we're a large enough church historically and now, even in the pandemic to, to sit in a row, to not be known. Uh, and, and our desire is to have people like buddy, uh, that know you, that, that are serving you, that are, are missing you when you're gone, but also that you would be so connected. I'm, I'm talking to our listeners, everybody who journeys with us, really in any church, would be so connected in community, even if the church is large, uh, that you're missed, that your pain is is known and shared, that your your needs are met, that you're able to bless other people on your left and right. And that's what I think of when I think of Buddy. That's when I think of when I think of the Bells family. You know, Rick lost yeah. his mom. Yeah, uh, was it yesterday morning, it Sunday was morning? Early yeah. Sunday morning, I believe. And the, the service will be later this week. And and Rick, another longtime colonial person, along with his family members, extended. And uh, it's different when you go through the hardest of times, like what we're talking about, and you're known. You're in community. There are mm-hmm. people journeying with you, chasing after Jesus with you. It's just different than when you just go to a church occasionally, and, and then you wonder why nobody's calling. You wonder why nobody's even aware of what's going on in your life. Yeah. Um, it's why we talk about groups just like nagging, you know, mm-hmm. it's not cause we want you to be a part of our thing or, uh, 
or we think it's the greatest thing ever and they just work magically, it's because, oh, I long for people to just be known and to journey alongside each other. Uh, it makes the sweet times that much sweeter to celebrate and it makes the hard times like these uh, for, for Buddy's family, for the, for the Bell's family, uh, just that much richer and, and more comforting. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that I think, you know, they modeled well um, is serving on a team. Like I, we have a lot of people within our church that serve in different areas. They serve in different teams within Colonial, but um, to leave it at being connected in just serving, um, that's an incomplete picture. I mean, it's a really good way to, to be, get connected, but it has to really end with like being in this group, being in a group, because you may be really connected to some people that you serve with, but not in a, not in at the level in which you'll be connected with people in a group. Um, case in point, you know, how do you how 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 are you? Like if you experience difficult times, your your serving community can be there for you, but not in the way that your group can be there for you and with you. And so, um, yeah. Get in a group, get in, get in community, for sure. So as we talk about this movie and and dealing with the um, the loss that we watch uh, Will Smith's character go into, and and he's also kind of in that same boat where he like what you're saying, and and he even even has some of that community around him, but it also kind of feels superficial mm-hmm. and and disconnected. And so he doesn't have anybody in his life. He basically separates himself from everybody. Um, I, i'm I'm curious, lauren, as you as you look at the church, why is it that you feel like we um we struggle with this conversation so much? Why do we struggle to to sit with people in the pain? And we, it's almost like we're ready to, we're ready to get past it. So we're ready to say, Hey man, we're, you're going to get through this. We're going to get through this and we'll, and, and we'll see you on the other side. We'll help you. How can we help you? Cool. I'll bring you some food and then we're ready to be done with it. But we struggle to sit in it. That's a great, great question. I, I think there's a lot of different small answers. Um, I think, I think culturally in general, it's not just the church, culturally, in general, Western, we'll call it the Western culture, call it the American culture. Uh, we just, we don't deal well with grief. And so unlike, I think, Eastern cultures who have so much communal uh, grieving together, we don't have that historically. Um, and so I think the church is no different. I, I think, too, a lot of us, because we just don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, it's incredibly uncomfortable when someone else is hurting. We are really uncomfortable, and so we do what comes naturally. We try to fix it. We try to make mm. it better. Maybe if I say this one really quick thing that I heard somewhere, maybe if I tell my own story, I'll make it better. And and as I alluded to, and maybe even scared some people yesterday, we say stupid things, yeah. you know. And and one of the things I want to say again is, don't be afraid to be silent to feel like you're not doing any good, but you're still there. Mm-hmm. I just think that's what a real friend can do is just to be quiet with people. Um, I also think there's one other quick nuance I'll add is I think for us males, uh, you know, we've got this rugged American idea of masculinity mm-hmm. 
that doesn't leave much room for crying at all, doesn't leave much room for admitting weakness, admitting sadness. I, I would like to think that's changed the last couple generations. Um, but I know my dad's generation, you know, the John Wayne movie loving generation, uh, it, you don't cry. You don't, you don't show weakness. Uh, you, you, you're prideful about that. So it, it makes no sense to then grieve well. <laughs> right. There's so much suppressed sadness in our culture. Uh, so I think we should cut each other some slack. Our culture doesn't lend itself to it. Our church hasn't done this well, church with a capital C, historically, but I think it's biblical. There's so much lament in the scriptures. Jesus wept with his friends, and there was nobody stronger. There was no stronger man in human form than Jesus, and yet he wept with his friends. That should say something to us, you know? So I don't don't know, Tanner, what you were thinking and feeling, and I I love, I feel like I know your story really well, but why don't you... If you're up for it, I'm putting you on yeah. the spot here. <laughs> you have experienced loss in a way I would I would think that neither Brooke nor I have. You lost your mom. Oh, I believe you were 16. Is that yeah, right? I was 15. You were 15. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that was like. You're 28 now, Eight. so 13 years ago, you lost your mom. I know you lost your grandfather, who was very dear to you just a couple months ago. Um, what what thoughts and feelings are going through you now as we tackle grief? Yesterday, you had to sit with this movie in the <laughs> editing process and and arguably probably watch the movie thirty times. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious what 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 are you thinking and feeling about how we're tackling it and your perspective? Yeah, I think um, yeah. Well, you know, when I lost my mom, I was really young and. Uh, Really shaped by that. Um, don't want to hurt well, you know. Um, and I think that carried over into my adulthood in in like how just how to deal with loss, kind of trying to get over it and and remember God's good and all these things. And so we 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 just we we forget that sometimes it's really appropriate to just hurt a little bit. And so. Um, I think the first time I really dealt with loss was uh, my grandmother, um, uh, which was a couple years back. Um, um, and I think I just remembered the pain, the kind of the hurt that it was causing um, to not j- dive in and deal with some of that pain and that hurt. And I just kind of had a re- refusal to, to, perpetuate that, um, chose to really try and struggle with that. And then you throw COVID in here. Um, COVID actually was the reason that my grandpa passed. He, he died uh, December 1st uh, last year. Yeah. And um, to not be able to be in, in the hospital with him, mm. to not as a family even be able to get together and to share stories and to sit in a, in a hospital waiting room and you know, pray together, cry together, laugh together, like to not even get those different things. Mm. It really, it really, um, it really affects how you get to grieve. Um, and the healthy parts of, 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 of grieving. Um, and so for us to look at this movie, uh, again, I go back to God's timing, you know, uh, I think grief is a timeless conversation for, for a church to have. 
but God in his infinite wisdom knew how many people were going to be affected by loss, significantly more people by now, that he gave us this uh, conversation to have now. And so I, the way we the way we approach this, uh, I thought there was um, an appropriate uh, reality in this movie with how grief hits us as people. I thought there was an appropriate um, uh, reality of friends who are dealing with their own uh, reality of of uh, hurt in and pain in their lives, trying to help a friend for all the right reasons in helping, trying to help in some really odd and weird ways. Um, I think for us, and then, and then at the end of this, there was this incredible hope of realizing that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just a dad, and so my uh, my brain goes to like kids' movies, a movie called Inside Out, where mm-hmm. I'm realizing like the characters in there were like joy and sadness, um, like joy in this in in Inside Out realizes that sadness had to be present as we grow up. Ooh. Sadness had to be present for joy to to really succeed, and. Uh, so I think with Collateral Beauty and what we did with it, um, we really highlighted that there is an appropriateness to pain, there's appropriateness to to, to hurt and suffering and loss, but also um, recognizing the collateral beauty as they as they called it, all the good things that happens because of it. Well, and even as you as you bring up joy and sadness, but that sadness wasn't it wasn't just that she was present, but that she was actually in control some of the time. Yep. That it was mm-hmm. okay for her to. Right take over and be mm-hmm. in control. And I saw, a, uh, I saw a quote that said that the, um, the most honest and, and good prayer is the, what the heck, God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just being able to sit in that and be okay with the questions mm-hmm. and the hurt and, and not just say, okay, we're just going to brush past this and we're going to yeah. get over it. No yeah. doubt. I agree with that wholeheartedly. The, the, I, I grew up in a, uh, a Christian subculture where we weren't, at least at least not blatantly, we weren't encouraged to ask why, to scream out yeah. like I'm, I always flash back to Lieutenant Dan at the top of the mast, <laughs> you know, in, in the storm in Forrest yeah. Gump, uh-huh. you know, and I mean bluntly put, flipping the bird, mm-hmm. you know, come on, is yeah. that all you got? Uh-huh. And I love the quote from Forrest Gump, you know, I don't know what happened, but. I think Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God. You yeah. know, there's something about that prayer that you said. You know, what the heck? It gets more, way more raw than that. It was you know, sure. that was the in uh, our emotions. The filtered version. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's from Scripture. <laughs> mm. I really do. Yeah, and I think, I think that's one of the things that we, uh, we as a community have to, we have to, uh, not try to move past so quickly. If for us to gain more understanding of what it looks like to hurt ourselves in a healthy way, to help our friends hurt, to hurt with our friends in our community in a healthy way, we have to try not to move past this so quickly so that we can learn. And, um, mm. and I think that uh, facilitating this conversation, I'm really excited about what is to come here in our church with, with starting a grief share Um and having some people who have re- experienced some really tough loss in their life, helping lead and facilitate that, um, I'm excited what that can do for our community because I think there's more of us in this position than we realize or that we care to notice. Um, 
because it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It just does not feel good yeah. to be in that in that place. And I and I'm not ashamed to admit I'm still in that spot. You know, loss is fresh for me. Um, uh, every time I look at my at my daughter and I have a something I want to tell my mom about, you know, mm. like uh, 13 years, yeah, but man, it's loss is fresh. Mm. It doesn't go away easily, and so um, I, I think. I think we have to, like we have to, for the sake of the kingdom, press into this more and more and try not to move past it so quickly so that we can learn what we need to learn from it. Well, that's what makes me excited about what we still have to come, and I know I hate to chop off conversation, um, but at some point we have to pause. I'm excited, but I'm excited for this. We have have some good stuff. So, um, Lauren, as we, as we have, we have an interview coming up with a couple of, of, uh, of your friends that you, that you facilitated. So I'd love to hear who are these people, what's going on here. And then also I'm, I'm curious, like where, where are we going next week as we continue this conversation? Well, this Sunday, I'm really looking forward to having several of our colonial folks. Uh, they, they're already praying about this and, and getting ready to be on stage with us. And we're going to have a panel discussion and just get a glimpse into several different journeys that some of our folks have and their own perspectives on, on grieving, on following Jesus while they're grieving, on finding hope, on finding community support. Uh, I, think, I think it'll be something that's really helpful and encouraging. And, and if nothing else, I hope it just fosters more conversation, more authenticity for us in our own relationships. Um, I'm so grateful that Two guys uh, join me in an interview. We're gonna we're gonna let you hear in just a moment. Uh, some of you know RJ. RJ is a longtime mentor and dear friend of mine. He lives in Golden, Colorado, on the the west side of Denver, right up against the mountains. The guys living the dream. Uh, but he is um, he's a pastor. He is a longtime university professor. He is a therapist. So he's got some unique perspective on on healthy grieving. Uh, even from the textbooks, but he's also got his really his own really hard journey. Uh, he spent time behind bars. He's a recovering alcoholic. He made some awful choices with some huge consequences, and he lost family. He lost reputation. So he's just got a unique voice, uh, among others, into my life, and I value him. Some of you have heard him speak on different topics. I've brought him in. Uh, we backpacked in the mountains last summer for a week, just me and him, and uh, I love him. The other gentleman that you'll even hear more from is uh, is new to Colonial. His name is Ray Donatucci. Ray is also an older gentleman uh, into his 60s, I believe, uh, a friend of mine. He is a longtime Young Life staffer. So if you know anything about Young Life and its incredible ministry for adolescents, he has chased, I don't know how many thousands of high school guys trying to befriend them and share Jesus with them. He's even more so, he has trained up thousands of adults in the way they are leading and serving kids. He's a longtime trainer. He's got a doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, He's written things, and to the point, he has experienced loss, tremendous loss this past year with the loss of his wife, and you're going to hear a little bit about that. Great wisdom. Uh, I encourage you to take some time and just enjoy this interview. Well, Ray... RJ, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I am selfishly so grateful for uh, the impact both you guys have had on my life. And I'm so jealous that you guys both live in the Rocky Mountains. People ask me all the time here in Wichita Falls why 
I moved from Denver to beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas. And I, I, if you don't know Jesus, there's really not a good answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Ray, you're in Boulder and uh, lived there for how long now? Long time. Uh, Decades? 30, 38 years in Boulder. 38 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, all that time working with Young Life. Yep. Um, I, I wish I have, had had more time with you. RJ and I have a lot of direct history and the same uh, trenches, so to speak. And you, I think more than anything else, you're a hero and a mentor to so many of my friends. Um, in addition to the time you've taken to, to pour into me. And so um, I know you've had a hard year, brother. Uh, and in that regard, you've had a hard, is it maybe nine and a half, 10 years? Uh, can you share a little bit with us about your, your, your first love, your bride and, and how you're doing, um, on that journey? Sure. Sure. We, uh, my wife, Jane was diagnosed with stage four, uh, kidney renal cancer, um, nine years ago and, uh, was given three, about three years to live is what they thought. And in the process of her decline got into um, a drug trial that turned out to be immunotherapy now, which is uh, an up and coming way of dealing with cancer. Uh, she was on the original trial. And uh, the result of that was, uh, we believe it extended her life by at least five years, probably six years. Mm. Um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't extend the quality of her life. It created other issues, but we had her. Mm. Uh, towards the end, of the last year, I had to leave full time Young Life, go part time. Uh, my wife was confined to a wheelchair, and uh, was on a slow decline. And uh, uh, and then in March of this past year, passed away in our home after being in hospice for two weeks. So we had a, we had like a nine year runway to prepare for March 30th. Uh, and uh, it wasn't long enough, you know? Uh, I think uh, there are a lot of different experiences with death. Uh, there's the phone call that you get, there's been a car accident or Somebody had a heart attack and suddenly died. And the immediate shock of, of that is a certain kind of experience of death. We had just the long, slow decline. And, and we called it the sunset. And, uh, and I, I do a, a senior citizen's chapel at a little uh, uh, facility here in Boulder. Uh, once a month, and there's a poster on the wall that says the sunset can be as beautiful as the sunrise. And I'd sort of grab that. And and so the metaphor of, yeah, the sun setting, but it can be beautiful, it can be beautiful. And then the absolute shock of how horrific the end was for us. Mm -hmm. uh, and felt a little bit uh, just caught off guard and unprepared for the horror of it, for the pain of it. Um, 
the finality was actually the blessing of it. Uh, when, when you deal with somebody in chronic pain, um, it's just terrible. And, and so then death almost seems to be the relief, uh, the blessing in it. So Janie died in March. Um, she died, oh, a week after in Colorado, we went on the Safer at Home uh, deal with COVID. So really for the better part of this year, I've been isolated in you know, COVID withdrawal. There's been no memorial service. We did a very small graveside with the family um, and social distancing and all of that. I feel like life as I knew it has just been obliterated. It's changed. It's, it's a, the world is different, but my world is different. We were married uh, 47 years. Um, and, and when that ends, there's just a huge, huge void that you have to navigate. Um, so that's, I guess, how I would sum up my last year. There's so much more I would say, but for the sake of this, I'll choke it up here. I A couple things jump out to me, Ray. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by one thing you said, that it was this nine plus years of preparing to lose your best friend, your companion. And it still was so shocking in the end. It still was, what does that speak to the power of, of love on one hand and of, and of loss? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't see that coming even when you shared that right now. Cause I think, I think the clueless people like me who have not experienced what you've experienced would think that you were better prepared that it would be some in some weird way easier for you. And I hear you saying, no, it was still absolutely brutal. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, you know, I, I follow Christ and I, I trust him. And still it was very difficult mm. for us. And it, it could be my, personality type, you know, maybe people who are more melancholic uh, deal with grief a little differently than, than uh, people that might be more linear. Um, but so I struggled, but it, you know, the big piece was when I think of her, oh my gosh, she's free. She's with the Lord. She's out of pain. She's gotten what she lived her life for. How, how could I feel bad? But I'm the one that has to sit at an empty table mm. and eat dinner by myself. I'm the one that comes home and had the habit of hollering up to her to say, honey, I'm home. And every time I come through the door, that just sort of echoes inside of me. Mm. You know, it's, it's seeing a glass of iced tea, which was her favorite drink. You know, it's all these little things. So grief then becomes more about me. And uh, I've told people it, it, grief is so self-focused 
I want to say selfish, but not selfish in in the negative sense of selfishness. But it's so self-focused. It's what I don't have. It's what I'm missing. It's what I wish for. It's where am I going? It's what do I do? It's how do I think about it? It's me, 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 me. And after a while, and then it's all exacerbated with COVID that you, I live in this little echo chamber of my brain. I have all sorts of friends that call me regularly. So it's not like I'm alone, alone. But, but that's, a, that's the other part that shocked me was how, how inward it turns me and how much of my infrastructure needs to be sort of rebuilt because she was a part of everything. Her fingerprints were a part of everything in my life except hunting and fishing. Those were the only two things that she had nothing to do with, and it was just me. And so I guess what I've done a lot of this last year in hunt, just to remind myself of who I am without her. Everything else in life, it was the two of us. It was Ray and Jane. I, I keep saying in marriage, the two become one, and then they become one half. What's up with that? Mm, uh, torn apart. Mm. And uh, living in that for me has been disoriented, disorienting. Um, and my primary feeling, and people major on different feelings and grief, my primary feeling is sadness, sorrow, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know, my therapist says could be anger, but. I, I truly don't feel angry. I just feel sorrowful. Anyway. I, I want to ask you too, because Ray, one thing you shared with me before, uh, real quick, I love that all three of us, by the way, are dads of, of girls. That's just, that's just fun. We have that in common. Uh, but I know you've shared one of the, one of the, frankly, one of the hardest things about this year is you still need to be a dad to your girls who are also grieving. What's, what's that been like for you? Well, it's uh, been very interesting. Uh, I told the girls the day after Janie died, I love you guys. I'm, I'm an okay dad, but I'm going to assure you, I suck as a mom. And it's going <laughs> to be really hard for us without mom because I can't do what she did, um, both physically and but, but more so relationally in the family. She was kind of the glue with the girls. I have three adult daughters. Uh, two of them are moms. On the scale of families from disengaged family to enmeshed families on that spectrum, we were probably more towards the enmeshed side. And so uh, they would talk regularly, you know, two, three times a week. They'd call their mom for advice. So when you take a personality out of the family that's that kind of glue, uh, it it rocked their world. It rocked our world. So uh, not only am I trying to grieve, but I'm trying to walk with my daughters as adults and and, in that balance beam of how much is is this their struggle to navigate as an adult woman by themselves, and how much do they need dad at least to be a part of it? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to take over their grief, 
at the same time, I don't want to abandon them. And so that that's where it that tension, I either underplay it or overplay it all the time. Mm. And so that that's that's the other part of the disorientation is is our family sort of rebalancing now the four of us instead of the five of us. Mm. I'm not surprised to hear you just be so self-aware and um, I'm not surprised to hear you talking to a therapist. You know, don't we all need that? (laughs) Well, I, I have a therapist friend who lost her husband to brain cancer about five years ago. Mm. And uh, as we began to approach the end of Janie's life, I thought, uh, I'm going to need somebody to help me untie these knots. Yeah. And she was the one that came to mind immediately. I thought, if anybody could speak into my situation, it would be her with her situation. And oh my gosh, she has been uh, an angel. I mean, she's been God's gift uh, to be able to walk with me and my family through this. Our, my girls talk with her as well. So that's great. Very helpful. Yeah. You, you've mentioned too that you've devoured some reading this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, the people listening to this don't know me, but I, yeah, I'll say this about me. I, I'm an idea guy. I love to collect ideas. I love to read. I love to think. And uh, when I talked about the long runway uh, to Janie's passing, what I realized was it was all mental. It was all abstraction. And somebody asked me, what, what's the biggest thing that surprised you after Janie died? And I said, oh my gosh, I know this answer immediately. I knew it, I knew it immediately. It's how painful pain is. I, I could teach about pain. I could do a Bible study on pain. I could tell you you know, therapeutically what pain is and how to deal with pain and blah, 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 blah. I, but it was all up here in my head. Mm. And, and what I experienced was like somebody just hit me in the chest or in the stomach, probably more gut shot. It was just pain is painful. Mm. It's not just an idea. It's very physical. And, uh, and so I've been reading all these books thinking if I got the right ideas, I'd be okay. You know? <laughs> and, uh, most of the books just keep saying, no, it's not an idea. You're living in something very physical. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll send you a bibliography of books that I've been reading. If that's helpful to anybody on the podcast. Well, please do. First of all, cause we all have, we all have stuff to learn from other people that are smarter than us or that have experienced things we haven't. I'm, I've experienced my own, grief for sure, but I have not, I have not dealt with the depth of, of loss that you are dealing with, Ray. I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably with us. Um, and I, I think one of the things I hear from you, even between the lines, is more than information that we, for example, may even be offering in this conversation. It's, it's, it's hurting with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a therapist or family members or um, the body of Christ that we just have to weep together and in our darkest moments, not have the, the answers or the, um, 
the relief even, but I, my heart hurts for you and others that are grieving now, especially in light of how disconnected we are. Um, I know you mentioned to me one time, it's been a little bit of a gift. You just don't have to be around a lot of people saying all the same things to you and asking how you're doing all the time. Uh, and I, I totally get that. I, I think that's probably a huge relief. And all at the same time, I, I have to believe, I mean, you mentioned to me as well, thank God you have a couple of dogs you love. So the house is not completely silent. So there's that, there's that tension between wanting to be with some people and be embraced and empathized with, and just want to be left alone. <laughs> right. Does that resonate? I, I, I really don't want to dominate this conversation, but one of the things that strikes me is I've, I've been in this um, men's group, uh, myself and eight other guys have met for 25 years on Friday morning. And uh, after Janie passed, uh, I go to the men's group and I can't believe the words that came out of my mouth, but it, it was so honest. He goes, guys, I don't know what to do. Uh, I feel pretty awkward if you ask me how I'm doing in the group to talk about it and just to dredge it up again. But if you don't ask me about it, I'm going to be upset. Care. He goes, this is me. This is not you, but I am so conflicted. Uh, Do I want to talk about it or don't I? I don't know. And if I do talk about it, it's hard. If I don't talk about it, it's hard. What do I do in that situation? I just was very candid with them on it. Um, so they they have stopped asking, how are you doing? Mm. That kind of question is so difficult for me to answer. And I would imagine it's hard for most people in grief to answer. Well, how am I doing? How, how do you think I'm doing? <laughs> you know, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Okay. Shut me up. I'll bet everybody who has hurt or is hurting resonates with, I really want you to ask me and, and, and give me that love and attention. And all at the same time, please don't ask me, please don't go there. Like this is this inner conflict. I, I think that that resonates with me. Well, I tell you what's been helpful for me is people, uh, I have some friends that will, you know, we'll just be maybe zooming or, or, or maybe we're doing something together outside and they'll say, I thought of Janie yesterday mm-hmm. and here's what I remembered about Janie. That, that's so helpful to get people's memories where they just offer it. Yeah. They, they don't, mm-hmm. it's not about me and what I have to conjure up or what I have to put together, what I have to express. They just give me that gift. Yes. Oh, you probably didn't know this about her, but here's something she did for me one time that mm-hmm. made me laugh or cry or what, you know, whatever. And uh, that, that I find helpful. Well, you mentioned uh, don't don't even worry about dominating our conversation. I Absolutely not. Let me let me jump in here and say, Ray, I'm really appreciating what you're sharing. So oh. keep going. Yes, I, I do want to ask you this, uh, both both for a moment of joy as well as uh, maybe even to to finish this way. Um, you mentioned iced tea. Every time you see iced tea, that makes you think of Janie. What 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 do you what do you love about your best friend? Tell us tell us uh, tell us a little bit about Janie. Oh gosh, that's just going to be bad radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you say? I mean, she was we were an ex- 
the two become one. We were, we were opposites that attracted. I learned to depend on her perspective in life because she picked up so much that I missed. And I offered her so much that she missed. And throughout our marriage, that could become grounds for World War III. But over time, we learned how to sort of live into each other. And, and I, that's one of the gifts of the nine years of cancer was we laid down our weapons and leaned into each other. And, and uh, her faith, she experienced Christ in a much different way than I experienced him. And I learned a lot about the Lord, just walking with her and listening to her. Mm. Um, and even after being married so long, things would come out of her mouth or she'd do something. And I go, who are you? Where did that come from? You know, it, was, it wasn't like we had a boring connection. It was... Yeah, a best friend's a good way of putting it, but she's a lover. There, you know, there's just a huge emptiness. Um, people say, Ray, I'm praying you'll be healed, that there's some healing in grief. And I've, I've pondered that a good bit. Um, I, I guess healing is the right word. But it's, it's like the healing that comes after your leg's been amputated and not the healing that comes after you have the flu. You're not restored to normality. It's not that kind of healing. It's a new kind of life where you're going to live without one leg. You're never, ever going to have that other leg back. Mm. Now, think of healing in that sense, that you're, okay, you're going to learn how to adapt to not having a leg. You're, uh, at some point along the way, you're going to stop feeling the phantom foot um, that's no longer there. But you're going to have to adjust mm. in the leg. And if that's what we mean by healing, then I think we, we offer that to one another. Mm. The thought that you're going to get back to normal, you're going to be okay, uh, you know, you're going to move on with life. Uh, collateral beauty, you know, he's never going to get his daughter back. Mm. He's always going to carry that deep weight of loss and the memories of swinging her in the playground is always going to be there. He, how's he, how do you get healed from that? You don't forget that. Yeah. Um, but with the Lord, all of life is change, really. Mm. And the Lord is the only one who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I hold on to him and step into the adventure ahead. And she's, in many ways, is not all that far from me. Mm. You know, I say things like, oh, gosh, that's something she'd say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my wife right now, uh, kind of thing. So there, there is the secondary joy, the collateral beauty, but the primary thing is still very difficult, mm. still hugely devastating. Mm. That's not to say that there's not secondary things that uh, 
I can look at and go, thank you, Lord. Yeah, Ray, there's so much that you're saying that's just so profound and and helpful. Um, If I can ask you one more question, um, I know our time is is drawing short, but um, as you think about your, you know, it sounds like you've got a good support team around you, good group of friends and and longtime friends. What, What have they done or said that's been most helpful for you during the season? Uh, great question. They, uh, they check in. They just, oh, I'm thinking of you. What are you doing today? You know, I probably every day I get a call from somebody still, uh, a call, a text, an email, just some reaching out, just thinking of you. What are you up to? Um, I have a friend who's got the gift of cooking and um, you know, we, we did the meals for about a month where the church got together and, and brought over meals and, and that just, it was so wonderful. Uh, but my friend has the gift of bringing over ribeyes, um, mm. shrimp and grits. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the macaroni and cheese. Uh, God bless the people that send over the casseroles. I love it. I, I'm being very thankful for it. I don't mean in any way to be snarky about this. But this guy is so far over the top in his extravagance. Uh, I hope it's okay for me to say this. Um, I do enjoy an adult beverage every now and then. And I've had friends that come over and sit on my back deck and just sit with me. And we have an adult beverage together and we just chat. And we don't necessarily have to talk about greed for Janie. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about sports or we talk about politics. Or we talk, we just talk, but they, they're, uh, it was now in calls it the ministry of presence. They yes. just show up and uh, you know, maybe they don't say much. Maybe we just sit there quietly. Mm. I've had friends who have, Wept with me. Go, whoa, you know, I'm the one weeping. No, they're they're weeping with me. Um, uh, maid service. No, I knock on the door, and there were two house cleaners at the front door saying, "We've been sent to clean your house." There's a, there is a group that will clean your house for free. If you uh, have a cancer patient in your home. Wow. Uh, And so we got like three house cleanings from them. Uh, Their name is escaping me right now. Um, uh, uh, It's cleaning, cleaning with a purpose. Mm -hmm. I I said, name them. You can go online and find them and you just apply. And then somebody pays for them to come clean your house and and do a marvelous job. Um, so house cleaning, uh, somebody came over, I heard a lawnmower, somebody was cutting my grass. Uh, What in the world? Um, things show up on my front porch, food or cards or desserts, Mm. (laughs) way too many desserts. (laughs) Anyway, that, uh, just, uh, very tangible expressions of and part of it is you need to know the person and what they like sure then you know 
give accordingly. Uh, we were given a gift of um, an account at Uber Eats. So all we have to do is call a restaurant and order what we want and the food's delivered and it's deducted from the balance on this account. It was a very generous account. Practical and generous. Yes. When the kids were home and all the grandkids were here, we didn't have to cook, you know. Anyway. Practical and very honoring, Ray. Very honoring to you and to your um, wife. Ray, I I know you need to duck out. Um, RJ, I want to visit with you for a few more minutes. Sure. Um, Ray, can't thank you enough for being willing to, to share you're, you're still in the middle of all this. Uh, I, I, I love how you articulated what healing really feels and looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I know that it's, it's a long journey. Um, I am grateful for your willingness today to share. I'm grateful for your friendship. Um, for the, for the millionth time, thank you for the way you've just, given your life away to so many, myself included. Um, and I look forward to having an adult beverage on your back deck, maybe this summer. I hope, I hope. <laughs> we, we, must, we must do that. The three of us must gather there. And, and if, uh, if I can be of any further help, let me, let me know. I'm here. We'll do. We'll do. Well, unapologetically, you duck out. I know you're going to go meet with some men that love you well and that you love them. So, so blessings to you, Ray. Thank Great you. to see you, Ray. God Thank bless. You, RJ. Thank you all. RJ, um, any thoughts, fresh thoughts after after Ray has stepped out of our conversation? Well, for all those listening to this podcast, uh, what he shared was so rich in so many ways, both at the personal level and at the, you know, at the therapeutic level. What he was saying is just so profound. So I would encourage people that are struggling. Uh, with grief to re- to re-listen to this podcast and uh, with a, a notepad and a pen and write down the thoughts that are that are really helpful. I agree with you, uh, Lauren. His thoughts on healing are just so profoundly true. Mm. Um, you know, I, I frame it a little differently, but uh, it, it's so true that there's a hole that's that will never be completely filled. That's just the reality of it. Um, on the, and that's just a reminder on this side of heaven that life is incomplete. Yeah. And there's no other way to say it. And it's not meant to be complete on this side of heaven. Mm. The other thing I wanted to, um, you know, su- suggest that, uh, again, Ray shared personally is, and again, uh, I'll say this to preface that, is that you can read all the books you want and you can prepare for it, but there is no way that you can deal with it until it happens. That's just the profound reality of it. And in my experience as a therapist, I've lost both my parents. uh, There's just no way to prepare for it. But what Ray said about sadness is really the, the, you know, an important piece in the, in fact, it's the most important piece in the grief process. Because that profound sense of sadness uh, is meant to lead us to the place of resignation where I, I, I've lost. It's, they're gone. And, and, and resign, resigning to that is, is an important piece because that's part of what, you know, that's part of how God has made us to love each other. And when they're gone, we feel that deeply. 
I did want to comment about anger because sometimes people do feel that anger and anger and anger and sadness are often part of the deal. In fact, for more people, the anger is, is part of it and that's okay. You know, the Psalms give us permission to be angry. Mm. And when we glibly quote Romans eight twenty eight, that just kind of shuts it, an important piece of the grieving process down. You know, sometimes we need to be angry, and anger is part of the process of of uh, of being out of control. Anger is also protects us when we're vulnerable, mm. and sometimes we take that away from people, and that's that's not helpful. Mm. So, um, you know, I. The sadness piece, I, you know, with all that's going on in our country, if I can zoom the lens out, you know, there are days when I feel a profound sadness for our country Mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I I quoted somebody recently, uh, it's not my words, but it it just stuck with me that, um, that sadness that, that just draws us away from God, that draws us to despair is really, really unhealthy and, and tragic, but sadness that draws us to the Lord, um, is, is really the definition of lament. Uh, it, it, it's this, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, still painful, but God honoring what we were created for kind of sadness Mm -hmm. that only draws us to the, the one, the ones who love us most, you know, um, so for part of why we're talking about this, I guess a couple of reasons we're talking about this, RJ, here at Colonial is one, just a recognition is of there's a lot of sadness that we just don't share with each other. We put on our happy faces, we fake it. Um, we don't talk about it, you know, as, as pastors even. Uh, so I think just, <clears throat> just normalizing it for our people. Hey, this is something all of us deal with. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But also, we don't know how to grieve. We don't know how to. Some of us have a therapist we can turn to. Some of us have a, a unique companion or friend that that knows more than we do. But a lot of us don't know what to do. We just started uh, what we call grief share, mm-hmm. uh, and I know you're very familiar with that. So, would you share with us just briefly what grief share is as a, as a ministry through the local church and how um, our people here can take advantage of it? Sure. Uh, yeah, when I was on staff, Lauren, at Northern Hills, uh, uh, started in, in 2009. In 2010, uh, we, we, we launched, as I was the pastor of recovery there, and so we launched Celebrate Recovery. But we also launched Grief Share as uh, a ministry and it, uh, that, that gives people you know, permission, if you will, to do exactly what you just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, to grieve, um, the important piece about grieving is that we're not meant to do it alone. Mm. We're, we're meant to do it in community, especially with those, with people who have experienced, um, this, the same kind of losses that we have a loss of a child, a loss of a parent, a loss of a marriage. And, uh, so that's what grief share is. It's a Christ centered, uh, context where people come together for a series. Uh, it's, it's not long. It's a, I think it's a course of like 12 um, videos that you watch and then you share and it's still going at Northern Hills. Um, Mm -hmm. and because people need to, to circle the wagons, uh, when it's time to grieve and to be able to verbalize once you, you know, once you start talking about it, now it's no longer inside of you, it's outside of you. 
And um, it's, I think it's more, and especially when we have someone who empathizes, a word that Ray used quite a bit that is so important here is with. A lot of us feel sympathy for, but not a lot of us feel with and feeling with is so important. That's why it's, that's why, you know, I think Ray sought out a therapist. Um, you know, I lost my dad. So I, I sought out a, a therapist who, who experienced loss and she was very helpful for me. Mm. So, uh, grief share is just a, um, to me, a wonderful, um, context to, uh, to work through stuff and uh, all kinds of loss. Um, uh, I have a friend whose who's, uh, who's husband uh, committed suicide, and she found grief share very helpful for her. Because there's two parts to that. You, you mentioned one of them is that, um, you know, we need, we need to learn how to lament before the Lord so we can take our pain to him. But people are so important in, in the grieving process that they come alongside of us. Um, you know, and I, one other thing, I, I, before I forget, uh, regarding, uh, you know, what Ray's experiencing, and that's, it's important to remember, you know, um, asking questions about, or, or, or sharing a memory uh, with, uh, about the, the lost loved one uh, is so important. Mm-hmm. We here in the Western world don't, don't do that well. Non-Western people do it much better than we do of remembering. And uh, that's, you know, a lot of, their, a lot of the non-Western rituals are around that. So we need we, we need to remember. I think you're right on, and it. I think a lot of people need to hear this. I think I think we walk around on eggshells around our mm-hmm. hurting, grieving friends and family members, and don't want to bring up, you know, that stuff. We don't want to invade their privacy. We don't want to say the wrong thing, of course, which is which is understandable. But the power of just saying, "Ah, oh, I thought about, I thought about so and so." Remember when? And and to laugh and or to say. And what, what do you miss about so-and-so or, or, uh, I, I just, th- I think that's a gift to people that are hurting and we, we, yes. we think it's the opposite. We think it's, we're being pain givers. And well, that's, that's the part of the lost loved one that we get to keep. Yes. The memories, memories, the reminders. And, yes. uh, that that's, we, we never lose that ever. And yeah. to one other point, um, Lauren, and that's a uh, you know, part of this comes from just my experience, but part of it comes from another a book I'd recommend called "The Other Side of Sadness" by George Bonanno. It's a research-based approach to uh, to grief, okay. and I, I found it helpful. One of the things he talks about, and I've experienced it uh, both personally and, and working with others, is the is the the part of laughter in grieving. You know, laughter gives us a break. Uh, from the grieving process. And sometimes that's really important when yeah. you're going through the hard work. I was just an example uh, right now um, working with a, a gal and I'm sort of the pa- uh, kind of one of the pastors uh, of my AA group. You know, uh-huh. I, I married um, one of my AA couples here a couple of weeks ago. And one of our members just lost her husband in, on Thanksgiving to, to cancer. And, and then uh, just the other day lost her father-in-law to cancer. Mm. So in the course of two months, so I called her up and I, and I just, you know, I just said, how, how are you? And, uh, and then she said this, she said, I think I need to change my last name. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> and I thought, good for you. We, and we laughed, <laughs> we laughed, <laughs> we laughed. And, 
you know, despite the pain and it doesn't diminish the grief at all, but it gives you a break. Yeah. You don't want to be cynical, but sometimes laughter um, no. helps. No doubt. No doubt. I, I am grateful personally for someone like you who can just with, with all your knowledge and wisdom, which I, I, I love and, and respect about you. And, and obviously it's, it's part of our, uh, I mean, even why I'm bringing you on to this conversation to bless our people here at Colonial, I'm even more grateful. I'm 10 times more grateful for your ability to just sit and listen to me sometimes, uh, to let me express frustration or sadness or discouragement. And you don't try to fix it. You don't, um, you don't dismiss it. Uh, you don't give me your pearls of wisdom, you know, quickly. Uh, I think that's something that you have learned probably over time. That's not what people need. Uh, they need, they need the width. Um, I, I think that's one of the things I hope we come out of even just a couple of weeks here at Colonial focusing on grief together is let's, let's be with people and err on the side of, of withness, even if we do it wrong or say it wrong or. Yeah. And the, you know, the good news is we have the comforter, you know, scripture in the book of John calls the Holy spirit, the comforter, the, the paracletus, the one who comes alongside to render whatever help we need. And that, you know, sometimes when I'm working with profound loss, I'll just pray to the Holy Spirit. God, Holy Spirit, please. I, I, I'm inadequate for this. Uh, I need you to show up through me. Yes. Yeah, you, you, I had a couple of scriptures, Mark, you bring to mind how Paul starts his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, yes. to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Yep. Amen. So true. Well, we could keep gabbing about this, but let's stop there, RJ. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for your ongoing friendship and blessing to us. You keep trucking up there in Colorado. Hopefully uh, we can see each other soon, okay? Sounds good, Lauren. Thanks for the opportunity today. Okay. Blessings, brother. You too. Take care. You've been listening to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or Google Play Store. You can send your thoughts or questions to our email at podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.